Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Hey, Lulu here. Whether we are romping through science, music, politics, technology, or feelings, we seek to leave you seeing the world anew. Radiolab adventures right on the edge of what we think we know. Wherever you get podcasts. Hey, Teed Up Queen Heads, it's your girl, Dope Queen Feeds here, and I'm chilling with my girl, Alana Glazer. Supporting people! <laughs> <laughs> our big moment has arrived, y'all. Season three of our podcast, So Many White Guys from WNYC Studios, is back, starting now. I mean, seriously, you've got to hear it. Phoebe is defining the damn culture. Ooh, so much pressure, but I think I'm ready for it. So, we want to take a little time and give you a teeny eensy little bit of taste of our show, like a little amuse-bouche, if you will. Oh my God, I'm so excited. This is the first episode. This is my first interview of the year. I'm not going to build this one up because she needs no introduction. I'm talking about Zoe, Isabella, Kravitz. Okay, you know what? It's ridiculous I even have to do this, but if you are not aware of the goddess that is Zoe Kravitz, I'm going to drop some information on you, okay? She's a musician, and her band Lola Wolf has toured all over with acts like Lily Allen and Miley Cyrus. She's an Emmy-winning actress. Oh, yeah. I mean, you might have heard this teeny tiny show she's done called Big Little Lies on HBO that dominated pop culture last year, and they're coming back with a season two She'll be playing the role of Lita Lestrange in this year's Fantastic Beast movie. She's a brand ambassador for Yves Saint Laurent. What does that even mean? So now I present to you the woman behind the scarf of Lenny Kravitz, freaking Zoe Kravitz, bitch. Hit it! Okay, so Zoe, Mm. before we get into it, this is a very important question. How do I look? Because you are a model, you are an actress, you are all these fabulous things, musician, and I I had to prepare this morning. Like, I f- fully showered, I washed everything, I put this wig on. It looks good, I was admiring Thank it, you. <laughs> I have these, like, cute-ass clogs I wore to give me... Like, Wait, to, let's see. To show off my gams. Yeah, look at that s- little bit of skin. Yeah, Showing off your arch, girl. Yes, I want to show off my ballerina <laughs> arch for you. So, do I do a good job, or are you kind of like, girl, try again? No, you look great. <laughs> and last time I saw you, you had different hair. I did. And I, I yeah. think this really suits you. Yeah, I change my hair a lot. I do too. Yeah. And everyone likes to remind me yeah. that whenever I have interviews by white people, they're like, <laughs> you change your hair so much. I'm like, have you met a black person? We fucking change your hair every day. <laughs> but you are, I think, you are constantly on a list for like best dress and like people usually like use you as like inspo for like young, hip millennials. Do you see yourself like that? I mean, fashion is fun. I, I've always thought it was fun. I've always thought it was kind of a um, a form of self-expression, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's cool that it, it, I, it's inspiring other people because I think that's what clothes should do. It's yeah. like, but now I see, I'm like, I feel old all the time. I see all these like young Young Wait, cool you're kids. 29. You cannot. I I'm 33. I don't even feel old. You cannot feel old. You're like, <sighs> do you have natural dew on your skin? 
You didn't put anything on your face. That's natural. I have to like fucking use architecture to create the illusion of dew. I've lost the dew when I turned 30. I dried up. That's terrifying. I have one I have one year of my dew left. Yes. <laughs> um, but what was it like? Because Jess and I are like, are, you know, our first times on like giant billboards has been for Teed Up Queens, which I still can't wrap my head around I'm like yeah. lol that's my face so what it's is weird. it like when you're you see a giant billboard of your face and this is like a face of beauty that you know us plebeians should you know look up to that's gotta be wild it's, right it's crazy it's yeah. crazy especially like the billboard on sunset or yeah. the one on lafayette which is you know i grew up in new york like i go to Lasquina all the time yeah. since i was a kid i used to like always go there and like try and get in without ID and shit, you know? So it's crazy to see yourself on um, a building that you used to hang out with as, like, a snotty 15-year-old drinking <laughs> 40s, you know? You were drinking 40s at 15, so Oh, yeah, I know. Is that bad to tell people? No, that's, like, what was I drinking at 15? I think I was drinking, like, Fanta. <laughs> that's appropriate. With, cut with nothing. You're it like, was milk. Just... I was drinking milk. <laughs> Yeah, I don't yeah. know. New York New York kids. Yeah, we were we were drinking like well maybe sixteen, but <laughs> it's old, still the same. Old English was yeah. my shit. <laughs> Just disgusting malt liquor. Yeah. <laughs> um one of the things that I, I really admire about you is how outspoken you are. You just kind of like you don't care. You know what I mean? Like you no, but truly you're like, I'm not gonna like pretend everything is perfect and Hollywood is like amazing for people of color and women. Like you're not <laughs> going to present that narrative you're going yeah. to talk about the realness of, like the stuff that you have to face that you know I didn't think you necessarily had to face I was like she's been famous forever she's stunning like she probably doesn't have the same sort of like struggles that maybe other women of color in this industry do but you do in an interview you did with Guardian um, you talked about how you were blocked from auditioning for The Dark Knight Rises mm-hmm. that's for real can mm-hmm. you tell everyone what happened this was so I don't, it's so funny I like maybe just blocked it out because it bothered me so much. But Mm -hmm. I just remember getting a call about having an audition for that movie. And then all of a sudden, they decided to not even let me audition because they decided to not go, quote, unquote, urban with the role. That is so nuts. But, like, not even being allowed in the room, you know? It's it's crazy. And also deciding, er, like, urban, what the fuck does that word mean? Yeah. (laughs) You know? Yeah. So uh, I've gotten a lot of resistance because of the color of my skin. I've been told you're not what they're looking for, they're looking for, and... All American girl type, right? I'm like I was born in Venice Beach. What are you? Yeah, that's talking? very American. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, obviously racism is real everywhere, mm-hmm. and um, specifically in an industry where they're able to not hire you because of the way you look. It's one of the only industries where they can flat out say that because. Yeah. It'd be illegal to, even though I'm sure it happens to tons of people trying to get a job in an office or something. Right. But they can straight up just say no because you're not all American or enough. Or, yeah. Yeah. How do you combat that? Because, you know, I think when you're not even allowed in the room, like how does that affect you mentally and emotionally? How do you bounce back from that where you're like, I work really hard yeah. and then you're saying I can't even enter? I mean, I think it made me work harder. I think it made me work harder. I think it made me more determined to try and get roles that felt 
authentic to me, not what people thought I should be doing because I'm black. Mm -hmm. And not that I don't want to tell all kinds of stories, but just not allowing myself to be stereotyped, still auditioning for roles that were written for a white girl. I picked up really early on reading scripts that character descriptions. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. White people don't get them. Yes. (laughs) White people, well, it's like Stacy, 22, perky. Yeah. That's it. But Mm -hmm. if it's John, 25, Asian or Indian or black, but they're getting better at it, but it almost never even says Caucasian. We're supposed to assume that everybody is white. Yeah, yeah. Also, it's like, like I recently had a meeting with a director and he was putting together a cast and the story was about like four different couples and Mm -hmm. one of the couples was black or one of the guys was black and he said, well, you should play that guy's wife. Yeah. And I just, out of curiosity, couldn't I play any of these guys' wives? Right. Did the black people have to always be married to each other? Yeah. And it just really, I think it made everyone really uncomfortable and I did not get that job. (laughs) And they did cast a black woman to be the black man's wife. I'm like, cool, never mind, I'll just go fuck myself. But um, it's just crazy how narrow-minded people still are. Not only does, like, tokenism exist in Hollywood where it's, like, we're kind of, like, put into these sort of boxes. But I think also in real life, like, I know I've definitely had moments where it's, like, oh, I'm the I'm the black friend. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Cool. Yeah. And that's, like, frustrating where you're, like, huh? What? I didn't even know. I didn't even know I was yeah, a black friend. That's the crazy part. You're, like, I didn't even know. And you, like, show up to, like, some house party. And you're, like, there's no one I'm the one. Like, yeah. I'm the one, aren't I? I'm the... Got it. Yeah, I've had that happen many, many, many times. (laughs) You're like, great. Okay, I'm going to just take this dip and then leave. Yeah, and they're like, the black person's gone. We can make black jokes now. Yeah. (laughs) Because you know that shit happens. Yeah. Okay, so let's dig into the big little lies of it all. I am obsessed with that show. It was the only show last year that I had to watch when it aired. That's like, so I cool. will, like, race home and turn on HBO, and I'm, I cannot be a second late. What has it been like for you and the rest of the cast? Like, you've won awards. You've gotten, like, all this attention for it. It's It does talk about, you know, physical violence towards mm-hmm. women. So what is it like now to see that this show has kind of taken on its own life? And I think for a lot of people, it has been kind of like, oh, I, I have experienced this, and the show is, like, representing me. How does that feel for you? It's amazing. I mean, I think first and foremost, when you're making something about such a delicate subject, you just hope that it feels authentic and Mm -hmm. honest and not like we're exploiting an issue to create entertainment. So I think that was my biggest concern, having such a wonderful reaction from men, from women, from people who have been abused, have friends who have been abused. It's been amazing. I've heard stories about women who watched the show and were able to have breakthroughs from their own abusive relationships. And so that's incredible. And then people just liked the show so much. I mean, I don't think any of us saw that coming. I was just happy to be on the same set as all those actresses, you know. It was crazy. Like, every week a new episode would come and all of a sudden, like, someone would stop me on the street and, like, be like, Bonnie! And I was like, oh, my God. And then, you know, the last episode 
if you haven't watched it, I'm it's like, like I don't, what are you yeah, doing? Yeah, I just like if you haven't seen it yet, I can't help you. Yeah, it's like if you haven't <laughs> watched it yet, you're gonna. I don't trust you at the midterm elections. You don't have your life together. <laughs> it's you not know? a spoiler alert if you just come to the party late. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, just that yeah. week, you know, I just remember like going to the grocery store and everyone being like, "You did it! You did it!" And I was like, "What did I do?" Yeah. You know? But it was just. Um, yeah, man, it's nuts. And we're doing it again, which is Yeah, nuts. season two, which is like, so Meryl Streep is I mean, cast in it, which is... Let's just take a moment of silence. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Everyone's like, Meryl, it's Nicole Kidman, Laura Dern, every white lady that Oprah is like, I love them. So it's just... Like, they've, been, right? they've been... They've been knighted. <laughs> yeah. It's such a phenomenal cast. And what I think is great is that a lot of times TV shows don't have predominantly female casts. And so to be a part of a cast like that, that it became such a pop culture moment. And that, you know, so many... I think a lot of times... Men, I'm calling you out, men. You can be a little lazy or be like, well, I can't relate to this character because it's a woman. Mm -hmm. In a way Mm -hmm. that, like, I could relate to, you know, Walter White on Breaking Bad. And Mm -hmm. I'm, like, not a, you know. Bald, white, meth head, cancer patient. (laughs) Exactly. I'm, like, not that. And so what I I think is great that this is such a Mm female-led story. And it really has resonated with everyone. Why do you think that people were able to look past their own maybe sort of biases or their own blindsidedness to sort of embrace this show the way they have. I think it's less about people all of a sudden being willing to look a little bit deeper Mm -hmm. and more about being presented or women having the opportunity to play real people. Mm -hmm. You know, women are, um, you know, we're like someone's wife all the time or someone's, you know, friend and... Um, or the hot girl or whatever, you know, we get used as accessories to stories that are about men. And the fact that these roles were written so well and they had so many layers to them, they were such complex roles, you know, I think people were able to relate to it because they were presented with some real women. Yeah. So you, you... You're modeling, you're acting, you have two movies coming out. I have a film called Gemini coming out this year, Mm -hmm. and I have a film called Kin coming out this year. And Fantastic Beasts, right? And Fantastic Beasts. How does that feel to just be like, you're killing it right now? I'm still just looking ahead. I'm like, I want to do more, I want to do more, I want to get better, I want to get better, you know? So I'm certainly not like, cool, I've accomplished it. Yeah. So with Fantastic Beasts, people are so excited about that. Were you a big sort of Harry Potter person before you got involved with Fantastic Beasts? I wasn't. I just never got into it. I actually think everyone was so obsessed with it in middle school Mm -hmm. that I was rebelling. And I think I probably just, like, lost out on that because I was trying to be (laughs) different or something. (laughs) I read the first couple books and loved it. I just... But I love—I've always loved magic. I mean, like, the idea of witchcraft and wizardry mm-hmm. has always been something that I've thought is just—I mean, I fully thought I was a witch and still believe that I am a witch. <laughs> what are uh, your witchy powers? Um, I mean, I feel like I can, like, manifest things. Like mm. what? Like, you could speak something to existence, be like— Yeah, which okay. I think it's, it's like, yeah, a yeah. secret, right? Secret. It's, yeah, <laughs> of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think that is magic, you know? Of course it is. Um, Yeah. I just didn't know if it was like you were putting spells on people. No, I would never. I would never. That's like, I mean, there's actually someone I would put a spell on. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. Watch out. (laughs) Watch out, 45. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> we'll get back to Fantastic Beasts, but Donald Trump. 45. Let's not say his yeah. name. He's the a 40- number, and what's a number before him? There'll be a number after him. Yes. You are nothing but a number. Where do you feel like we are right now because of him, and where do you think we're going to go? I mean, it's I have no idea. I have no idea yeah. either. He's done and said so many things that I would think would make him no longer. <laughs> yeah. And yet he is still. Yeah. There's a heartlessness to it all that is shocking and also disturbing. He just doesn't care. Well, I, I, I am hopeful that I just look at what's happening in Florida and see Amazing. those students speak out so intelligently and eloquently like i think that we're going to go in the right direction yeah i think so i don't know yeah well they're challenging all the rules the quote-unquote rules you know it's like the same thing as your vote doesn't matter it's the same thing as like a boy is a boy and a girl is a girl and we're all like okay yeah you know and black people should go over here and white people should go over here yeah okay yeah you know and all of a sudden, someone says, wait, but does it have to be that way? Mm-hmm. And once you start asking those questions, you, A, make a lot of white people, rich, white, powerful people, very unhappy mm-hmm. and uncomfortable. And um, you start having really interesting conversations and breakthrough in both art and life. Yeah. So I think, yeah, this is a great time where... Everyone is asking a lot of questions, and that is the beginning of it all, I think. Yeah, I like that. That's good. Okay, so, you know, Zoe, you're, you're, you're pretty famous. You know what's really crazy, and I always kind of feel like fame is such an uncomfortable thing. Mm-hmm. It's, an un- it's an uncomfortable thing to talk about. But why is it uncomfortable for you? Just it's because just your... you're supposed to—it's, like, not humble or something to acknowledge it or, or something. Right, I don't know. Right, I'm not right. sure. But it's funny because it's, I know how I perceive other people like, oh, this person's really famous. Yeah. But when it's about yourself, you have no idea. Right. Yeah. Does that make sense? I don't know. It does. But I I think we can all admit there's a huge like family legacy with the three of you, you, Lenny and Lisa. And, you know, you talked in a a podcast with SZA about um, sort of like, the weight of the family legacy on your shoulders. Mm-hmm. And so when you decided to get into a career where you're, you know, you're singing and you're acting and you're modeling, how were you able to get to a place where you could like overcome the pressure that was on your shoulders and you were able to feel like I'm my own entity and like I'm not being just judged. The daughter of- yeah, I'm not being judged by my parents. I think it just took time. Mm-hmm. I think I mean I think anyone even if you're not coming from the exact same situation as me, it takes time to to grow into yourself and to find out who you are regardless of where you come from. So I think anyone can relate to that, you know? And I definitely second-guessed myself, and I definitely felt pressure or judgment or, like, people thought I didn't deserve Mm -hmm. what I was getting because... I'm the daughter of someone famous, and it was just handed to me. And in some ways, it, it was, you know. And I got into the door a lot easier than some girl living in middle America who dreams of being an actress that doesn't know how to go about doing that. Like, I know that I was incredibly privileged. Yeah. But at the same time, I worked really hard, and I don't think 
directors need to hire the daughter of Lenny Kravitz to make their movie any better. You know, you look at yeah. someone like George Miller, who had Charlize Theron and is a genius and made Mad Max. He wasn't like, ooh, you know what's going to make this movie better? Lenny Kravitz's daughter. <laughs> and you have to look at things like that and say, yeah. people who I respect want to work with me, and I'm getting these jobs. And the more I work, the more confident—not confident, because I still second-guess myself, but at least I believe that— you know, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm mm-hmm. working hard. I haven't given up. I'm a hard worker. Hell yeah, you are. Yeah. yeah, I am. I'm a hard worker. Yeah. What was it like growing up with your parents? You told me that like you lived in New York mm-hmm. and you're drinking old English, but like what kind of what was <laughs> that like wasn't your... them? That yeah, was that, my... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was you. They were good. They were really good parents. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up. I was born in Venice Beach, and then mm-hmm. I lived in. Um, my parents got divorced when I was two, and I lived with my mom till I was eleven in Topanga Canyon. And then I live. I moved in with my dad um, when I was eleven, and he was living in Miami at the time, which is weird. Miami's weird. Look, Miami's beautiful. Just it, it was hard. It's a hard place for like a um, mixed brown girl coming of age to. Mm. Um, I didn't fit in there. Yeah, was it like a lot of just like wh- a lot of white? A people? lot of yeah. I mean, there's there's a huge mixture of people yeah. there. There's Cuban people and Brazilian yeah. people and black people, but. But I, w- I went to a private school. You know, he wanted to send me to the, the best, quote-unquote, best school. Mm-hmm. And I was one of, what, three black kids going to— Same. Yeah, so—and yeah. um, all the girls, you know, you know, they, all, they have their nice hair and they're, like, Louis Vuitton purses and, like, I don't know. I just didn't fit in. Yeah. Um, and then I moved to New York when I was 15— I went to an art school and just fell in love with Wait, the city. Wait, you moved here by yourself at 15? Well, no. I technically moved here with my dad. I was like, yeah. I have to get out of Miami. I can't live here anymore. Yeah. But then he went on tour, and I actually ended up living with cousins until I was 17. And cool. then I, I moved out when I was 17. Yeah. What was it like for you growing up? Like, did you—I'm sure you must have had pressure from, like, everywhere being like, well, what are you? Mm-hmm. You had to define yourself mm-hmm. to me before you can even, like, finish defining yourself to your own self. So, like, what was your process like? It's um, It's been interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, you know, both my parents are half black and half white. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I have black family. I have white family. I identify and love both of them or yeah. both sides of them. And um, it's interesting because, you know, someone looks at your skin and just says, okay, you're black. And... Especially when I was younger, when I was, you know, like I said, living in Miami and going to that school and being one of the only black people, I wasn't like, hell yeah, I'm black. You know, I was like, oh, well, I'm also white. Yeah. (laughs) I'm white too, guys, you know. And and I had to grow into my blackness. I had Mm -hmm. to experience um, life a little bit more and learn about black culture and black people and, you know, really see um, what it is to be a black woman in America. And I'm so proud to be black, but it's not just because that's what everyone feels comfortable calling me because of the color of my skin. It's because I've had experience living in this country as a black woman, and I love black people. Yeah. (laughs) I love where I come from. And I'm incredibly proud. Um, But it was a journey getting there Mm -hmm. because, um, you know, when someone tries to tell you what you are instead of you getting there yourself, 
it's complicated. Yeah. And so what kind of advice could you give to, like, I don't know, my niece or, like, people who are listening um, who are still, like, trying to figure themselves out and figure out how to relate to, you know, all the different sides of their, you know, race and their, per- like, what? How do you how do you get there? I know it's a different journey for everybody. But, yeah, yeah, I mean... It's funny because I've gone through so many fa- – like, for the long, longest time I wanted to be, like, you know, colorblind. You know, like, mm-hmm. it doesn't even matter. It's all – we're all this – we're all this Sam and it doesn't <laughs> even matter. And, like, like fighting that, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. And now I'm like, it does matter. And it doesn't mean that there has to be separation or, um, you know, one has to be considered better than the other. It's just, like, it's okay to acknowledge that, that there are differences here yeah. and we are different in some ways so it's so tricky because I feel like people try and do one or the other it's either like you don't see color yeah which is like see color yeah <laughs> color's beautiful yeah. all the colors are beautiful I think you just have to I don't know live your life and see what you connect to I mean it's really that simple right yeah okay so you, you didn't like necessarily fit in in high school but what was it like um, like, did you go with your dad on the road? I or like- did, yeah. I went on tour with my dad for maybe, what was it, maybe like a year or something when I was in, like, seventh grade or something like that. Yeah. He went on a tour. It was bizarre. I spent a lot of time on tour buses. Um, and he just didn't want to be away from me for so long. Yeah, It was cool. I would be studying history, like, world history, and I would be looking at something in a book, and then I would be able to go to the... Sistine Chapel or wherever it was. So that is bananas. That, I wish that I was, was my studying life. it at the same time. I'm <laughs> doing dial up on AOL, and you're like, "Quick pit stop to the Sistine Chapel." Well, we, what was cool was that my my um my tutor would kind of like she'd plan the curriculum around where we were traveling too. Oh, cool. So it was. I mean, that was an amazing experience. But yeah. then also, eventually, you really need to be, you know, social and around other kids. Yeah. Did you get along with other kids like when you were in school, or was it kind of like? Mm. I got along with other kids. It was yeah. always, like, I have very specific memories of whenever I would go to a new school, the whole school would ha- have been talking. Of, like, m- my dad probably would have gone to visit the school before oh. to see the school. And then, you know, everyone knows how traumatizing the first day of school is yeah. anyway. And I usually, because I was moving around a lot, I was, like, almost never just coming on the first day of school. I was yeah. always coming, like, in the middle of the year Yeah, to different schools. And I, it was always an event, you know. It was yeah. always like everyone was whispering and saying, "Oh my God, Linda Krause's daughter's coming to the school!" And then he would come pick me up in like a netted shirt in a, in a sports <laughs> car, you know. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. It's like, Lenny, come on, just pick me up in like a t-shirt from Sam's Club. He couldn't. Come on. He just couldn't. You know, <laughs> he like couldn't. Like, I love you, Zoe, but you know, I I can't put on a, a full shirt. <laughs> I don't love you that much. No, he does. He loves. He was just, he was just doing his thing. But yeah. But um, when you were on the road with your dad for that year, did that kind of like inspire you to get into music? Um, I mean, I always loved music. I always loved singing. I I, I love. I did a lot of musical theater. You did. Yeah. <laughs> what 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 plays? I I did Greece in high school. Nice. I played Rizzo. <gasps> 
And oh, um, Rizzo is the best. Yeah, I got cast as well. I didn't get cast, but she, the drama teacher, wanted me to play Sandy, and I was like, I'm playing Rizzo. Yeah, Sandy's boring as fuck. Yeah, y'all. she doesn't know what the fuck is going on. Yeah, Rizzo. and then she like changes at the end. I'm like, you don't need to put on leather pants to give a fucking Danny. No, Rizzo Zico. gets pregnant and is like, that was so. That movie is like so intense. It is an intense movie. That's They're also like, all like 35. Yeah. <laughs> Rizzo was a hard 38 plane. <laughs> he was like like a truck driver, you know. I was like, I can't wait till I'm 16 and look like that. You know? Um, yeah. And I, I was obsessed with, I had this VHS tape that my grandma taped of a production of Into the Woods with Bernadette Peters. Ooh. Which was like my favorite thing. Anyway, I loved music always. And when I was, um, I don't know, in my earlier 20s, and I wasn't really getting much work, so I had a lot of time on my hands. Mm-hmm. That's when I started making music with Jimmy and doing Lola Wolf, and it was mostly to try and keep myself creative yeah. and not be waiting for some white man in a suit to tell me, you're allowed to be creative now. Go. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no, no, not too much stuff. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so, you know, it's great to be able to, to make art um, even when... You're not being paid to do it or, you know, yeah. being told it's it's allowed now. Yeah. But you've gone on the road. So you've opened for Miley Cyrus yeah. and uh, Lily Allen. And yeah. what's that been like? Um, It's an interesting experience, mm-hmm. especially it's not like we're going on the road with like a huge crew and like things are set up. We're like in a van following around someone else going yeah. to play for people who did not come to see <laughs> us. So it was challenging, you know, having to get on a stage when you don't feel like it, when you're nervous, in front of people who aren't necessarily interested, when you've been driving for six hours and slept in a motel, and then I wouldn't ever um, do it again. Oh, so you think you're done with touring already? I mean, I think I'll play shows. We're going to put out a record soon. And um, yeah, where we're, it's like finishing touches on the record, which we've been working on forever. That's exciting. Yeah, it is exciting. That's amazing. Um, and we will definitely play some shows. I don't, I just don't think we'll do a, like a, a whole tour. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Okay. So you, we talked, you're 29. Your birthday's in December? Mm-hmm, first, yeah. Oh, I'm so excited for you. Honestly, like 30s are the shit. Thank you. I'm yeah. excited too, man. 30s, let's do it. Yeah, and keep being my hair inspiration. I got, I got. Remember we had like the really long braids with a braided bang, like the black super long braids. Yes, yes. I, I, I copied that. You did it. <laughs> I did. Yes. So in your 30s, keep having hairstyles that I can copy. I keep please. on changing my hair. I, well, I think I'm Thank gonna you. do the braids again. <laughs> yes. Um, for the show. Yes. So um. Happy for to change it up again. Okay, cute. Well, yeah. let's go get our hair done together. Yeah, I like that we ended on hair. <laughs> right? Like, and hair. All right, thank you for coming in, Yeah, Zoe. thank you for having me. Thank yeah. you for having this podcast. I think it's super important. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Thanks, girl. Yes. <laughs> All right, y'all, that's it. That's a little taste of our sexy-ass show. And there is so much more where that came from. And we don't want you to miss any of it. So subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, the first episode is right there. So go search So Many White Guys, that's so with three O's, wherever you get your pod pods. We are waiting for you to listen to it. So, like, go right now. What are you doing? Why are you still here listening to me? Go, 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 go. 